0: So what we do is we say, we're going to forgive people spiritually, but really you got to pay me back. We divorce the spiritual from the physical. And I don't think that we should always do that. I think we need to keep the spiritual and the real world rubber meets the road application of how things work. Now, I say that and I realize everyone squirms a little bit then. Because is that really life in the kingdom? And the answer would be, yeah, that is.
1: Pastor Daniel's message today may make you squirm a little bit. He's not going to leave the application in the spiritual world, but bring it home to earth. It may challenge you when he brings the message down to where the rubber meets the road, but isn't that what we all need? We all need to be challenged to walk more closely in step with Jesus. So pick up the challenge today. Let your heart be moved enough to modify your behavior. Now, here's Pastor Daniel in the book of Song of Solomon, chapter 4, as he begins a new message, A Lover's Song.
0: Well, as fans of music, you all know that the love song is a classic genre that no matter what the music style is, there is always the opportunity for songs about love. I remember when I was playing music as a career before God had really grabbed hold of my life and called me into the ministry when friends of mine would have a broken heart We would look at them and say, well, at least now you'll write a good song. You know, it's the silver lining of a cloudy day is that, you know, think about it. How many songs are written about love, love found, love lost, love found again? Now, within the genre of love songs, there is a famous version of this. It's not too popular today, and that's called the the lover's duet. How many of you remember the play West Side Story? Yeah, I remember Tonight, tonight This all began You guys, yeah, you guys know yeah, I just sang to you, Tonight, that's right That, that, that love song between Maria and, and her love It's old school but it's a classic tune Maybe like, well, I don't really remember West Side Story How many of you guys remember uh, Grease, the first one? Yeah, before John Travolta got totally awkward and weird you know, him and Olivia Newton-John, I'm um, hopelessly devoted to you, right? Where he's singing and she's singing, and it's a perfect little lover's duet. You're like, well, I don't remember that one either. There was one, if you guys remember the, the late 80s, early 90s, there was and I have the time of my life, and I owe it all to you. You guys know the song, right? You sinners (laughs) That movie was called Dirty Dancing That's really not church
1: appropriate
0: (sighs) I gotta pray for you guys (laughs) But what's interesting is this style of love song Has fallen out of favor Because I've actually I did a whole bunch of research Is there a modern lovers duet that's out there? In like the last like 10 or 15 years You know what I found? There's not one The best you got with a duet Is actually pretty much the way Almost every hip-hop song goes now Where there's a guy who he's like a hip-hop rapper And he's got a girl who sings the chorus You know, like Empire State of Mind Which was Jay-Z and Alicia Keys There's a whole lot of them where, Where the guy sings all the verses And then the girl comes in and sings the hook and the chorus And then the guy goes back and he raps a little more But there's not a contemporary Really modern You know, lover's duet But you know, it's interesting, and the reason I ended with the the hip-hop version of this is because that kind of style of song, where the guy sings the verses and the gal sings the chorus, that's actually very biblical, and we're going to see it today. So open up your Bibles to Song of Solomon, chapter 4. That's the actual way. I'll explain it to you in a second. Now, if you're new to the Bible, I want to get you there, because there's probably a lot of people, you don't even realize that the Song of Solomon is actually a book in your Bible, So if you're in the Old Testament, you find the book of Psalms. It's the single largest book. It's the song book of Israel, 150 Psalms. So if you find that, then there's the book of Proverbs. After Proverbs is the book of Ecclesiastes, which we went through not too long ago. And then there's this book, the song of Solomon. Really, in Song of Solomon, chapter 4, we're going to see it's laid out just like a modern hip-hop duet, where the guy is going to be doing all the talking, and then the gals is going to pop in and kind of sing the hook, sing the, the chorus, so to speak. Now, the Song of Solomon is a challenging book, mostly because we all feel a little uncomfortable in a way that it's in your Bible. The Song of Solomon, given its content and subject matter, Jewish families would not let their sons or daughters actually read the book until after their bar or bat mitzvah. So only until you're about 12 or 13 years old would they actually let you look in there because the subject matter is adult. Now, if you weren't here before, I had made the point that because we're in Song of Solomon, we are going to be dealing with mature subject matter here today. So if you do have your kids in here, there is still enough time to go get them in the Crossroads kids. It's interesting because... That's why the book of Song of Solomon is so challenging, because it's unexpected in our Bibles. Now, to make matters worse, and one of the reasons why in doing this Songs of Summer series I wanted to get into the book of Song of Solomon is because we live in a world in 21st century America where our views of human sexuality, male and female sexuality, is totally broken. Our culture has a broken view of human sexuality. And we're get, we'll get into some of this. We'll explain some of these brokennesses. But here's the issue. Because our culture, and this is a big part of human life, right? Because our culture has a broken view, the church, in a sense, has allowed the culture to set the flow of this thing, set the guardrails for how we discuss it. And so what happens is, is because the way 21st century Western culture deals with sexuality is so messed up the church instead of saying no there's another way to be the church has just been quiet about it which in a way is the church's way of accommodating a broken view of sexuality so all you have is a broken view and the church won't even speak into it because we're too holy or prim and proper or whatever the words are that we just allow the thing to go on and there's nothing worse when brokenness rules the day to accommodate that and say, well, that's the way it is. And the Bible from Genesis to Revelation has a very profound look at what it means to be human and what it means to be created in the image and likeness of God and to be a sexual being at that. The Bible has a whole different view of it, but because we don't like to talk about it because it makes us feel uncomfortable, we just let the culture set the stage. And I'm here to tell you, we're just not going to do that. We're going to let God's word explain to us what it means to be a human who God created to be sexual in nature. And what I found in reading the Bible, and especially reading the Song of Solomon, that God's word is challenging because God is equally passionate, but yet perfect. You realize that, that God does not want you to suppress everything. He just wants it to be in the proper bounds. But what happens in the church is because we don't know what to do with it and we don't like what the world is doing with it, we start to try and suppress human sexuality, which is not only anti-human, it's anti-God. So we need to have a biblical view of this. Now, to make matters a little worse for me is that Song of Solomon, when you hear it interpreted, it's really a musical. There's a man who's called the beloved. There's a woman who's called the shulamite. And they're kind of singing this duet and then their friends, his friends come in and her friends come in and they have these little bit parts, right? But what most people do, the Jewish people interpret it that the beloved is God and the shulamite is the Jewish people. Christians interpret it that the beloved is who? Jesus. And the shulamite is the bride of Christ, the church. And so what happens is, is we often just take the Song of Solomon, and just make it a spiritual application, that this is how God feels about us, right? And I, I think it's a good interpretation, I'm going to do that, but sometimes we make it only spiritual, and we lose the real-life application of this stuff as well. Like, let me give you an example. Jesus said, forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors, right? So we always say, in a spiritual way, we need to forgive people, right, so that we can be forgiven, but what about, the the word debtors is actually people who owe you money, So what we do is we say, we're going to forgive people spiritually, but really, you got to pay me back. We divorce the spiritual from the physical. And I don't think that we should always do that. I think we need to keep the spiritual and the real world rubber meets the road application of how things work. Now, I say that, and I realize everyone squirms a little bit then. Because is that really life in the kingdom? And the answer would be, yeah, that is. But we don't like the ideas of it. We'd rather it just be, it's it's less threatening it just being a spiritual reality than it is a rubber meets the road reality. And the thing with the Song of Solomon is it's really easy to read, like, wow, the spiritual application is great without having the personal application. The real world, this is how I live. And I'm going to try and bridge both of those. I'm going to try and make sure we get the spiritual application, but also apply it to life in the real world, how you and I live and how we look at ourselves from uh, an area of human sexuality. So, you can pray for me real quick to say, Lord, help Fusco. Go ahead. Amen. Let's jump in. Song of Solomon, chapter 4. First, I'm going to read you the, the guy's verse. Then we'll read the girl's chorus. Then the guy's verse and the girl's chorus. So we'll start in verse 1. It says, Behold, you are fair, my love. Behold, you are fair. You have dove's eyes behind your veil. Your hair is like a flock of goats going down from Mount Gilead, your teeth are like a flock of shorn sheep, which have come up from the washing, every one of which bears twins, and none is barren among them, your lips are like a strand of scarlet, and your mouth is lovely, your temples behind your veil are like a piece of pomegranate, your neck is like the Tower of David, built for an armory, on which hang a thousand bucklers, all shields of mighty men, and your two breasts are like two fawns, twins of a gazelle, which feed among the lilies. Now you guys know this is going to be fun, right? Now let me say, let me get this out there at the outset. You single guys, if you want to court a sister, you might want to read this to her. Because at least you will know you have a biblical bone in your body. You'll be like, I, I didn't write it. it's The Spirit wrote it, Song of Solomon. And you girls, if he, if he quotes it to you, you'll get that he was listening to this. Now listen, you guys who've been married for a long time, read this. Speak to your wife this way. She's going to like it. She's going to like it. This is a song of admiration. Everyone's horrified right now. You guys are all like... Like, this is awesome. This is in your Bible. And this man is admiring this woman. And he is enraptured with who she is. Now, to make the spiritual application first, right? This teaches us that God's love is extravagant. God's love is extravagant. If this man is talking about, if it's Jesus and he's talking about the bride of Christ, he is admiring her beauty. And I know this sounds weird, but if you are here and you are robed in the righteousness of Jesus because you have put your faith and trusted him, then God admires the beauty of Christ applied to your life. And not just in like a surfacy way. I mean, this is pretty specific. God looks at you and is in love with the beauty of you being wrapped in Christ. Now, I don't know what that does for you. I know it kind of maybe sounds weird but God thinks that you're beautiful in Christ. And God is willing to take the time to extravagantly express his love for your beauty in Christ. And that's a pretty awesome thing in a world where most of us don't feel so beautiful most of the time. In a world where all we do is see Everything in a mirror, we always see our failings reflected back to us. You have God saying, look, you are beautiful and I love you with an extravagant love. And that's an awesome thing, isn't it? That God's love for us is extravagant. It's not just superficial or shallow. God takes the time to express beauty. So that's the spiritual point, that God's love is extravagant for you and I. But now let's look at these verses. It says, behold, you are fair, my love. Behold, you are fair. Now let me ask you, ladies, you buy a new dress, you come down to your husband, you say, honey, what do you think of my dress? Oh, you look fair. (laughs) That would be horrible, right? Like, you realize that when it says that you're fair here, old school fair means something different than it does today. So he's not saying, listen, you're average, my love, you're average. It's not my favorite one on you. The, the idea is like old school, like my fair lady. It means you are beautiful. We don't use the word fair in the way that they did then today. It's amazing how language changes, right? I mean, just imagine that. You look fair. That's horrible, right? You guys, listen, that way of saying you look fair, just remove that from your vocabulary. Unless you say, I mean fair in the Song of Solomon kind of a way. And then it's a high compliment. The idea is that you look beautiful, my love. You are beautiful. And then he starts going through all these different details of admiration for this woman. Look what he says. You have dove's eyes behind the veil. Dove's eyes. Now, when you think about a dove, of course, it conveys a sense of gentleness or tenderness. You think about doves, what do they do? They coo. And so what he's saying is like, your eyes are tender and they communicate. Now look, if you came here with your spouse, and wait, go look in their eyes. Go ahead. Don't give them the evil eye either. This is church. People's eyes speak, don't they? When you look into someone's eyes, it tells you more about them than just the words that come on out. See, He's saying, look, your eyes are, your tenderness is revealed in your eyes, and your eyes are speaking to me. But notice, where are her eyes? They're behind your veil. Now, think about this. This is important. See, there is still a separation between this man and this woman. See, in that culture, women wore veils as a sign of modesty, right? There is... They are betrothed, but they are not, their marriage has not been consummated. Now remember that, right? In, in the biblical times, they did marriage differently than we do it today, where uh, a dad and a mom, they would have kids and they would arrange a marriage, and then at some point that marriage would become legal, they would be betrothed, but they it had not been consummated. So it's different from the way we do marriage, and you would imagine that this man and this woman, they are legally married, but they haven't consummated their relationship yet. So he's saying your eyes are tender They are communicating But they are behind a veil Now, what's the application for this? Ladies Our culture Our culture wants to Demean you By making you just a body That's what That's what our culture does It says look You are no more than skin on bone So show more skin Because that's all you're good for But that's not what our Bibles teach. See, we know the Bible teaches that modest is hottest. Yeah. Yeah, I mean it. Now, when I say modest is hottest, that doesn't mean you got to walk around with a potato sack on or a little schmata and God forbid you wear makeup. That's not what it means. But the idea is, is we ladies, you need to take the way you present yourself from the way God sees you and not what the world tells you. Because the world just says, you're just a body, and you know, and I know, that you are way more than that. If you were just skin on bone, Jesus would never have died and risen again for you. But our culture demeans women. And listen, the research about, it's all over. I was just reading a, a study about sexuality as it relates to girls and obesity. And really what they keep coming down to is that women in our culture have a tendency to think that all they are is a body. And then you end up seeing all these airbrushed women on magazines. They really don't look like that, but they make you look like that. And all it is is show everything. That's the only way you got to show everything so that nobody has to wonder what you are. But the Bible says, listen, your beauty needs to be reserved until the right time. So, ladies, you can still be stylish and God-honoring. But you have to fight against a culture that says, "Show let nobody leave anything up to chance, because all you're good for is to be noticed by a guy, because all you are is a body. We have to fight against that. I love the fact, her eyes are expressive, they are tender, but they are behind a veil. And in that culture, a veil enhanced beauty, it didn't detract from it. Because the veil says, it's not open season yet. This is not all yours. It's mine. And our culture has a broken view of this. Now, it doesn't only stop with the eyes. Look what it says next. Your hair is like a flock of goats going down from Mount Gilead. Now, listen, I'm here to tell you, if you tell your wife her hair looks like a goat's hair, (laughs) we'll see you in the office for counseling. That's no good It's no good But think of it The idea A goat in that culture Was dark They were black Their hair color was black And so the idea Is a flock of goats Coming down Mount Gilead The idea is you, you got great hair That's what he's saying He's saying Your hair is long It's like It's like sheep Going down a mountain And in that culture Modern day Israel Palestine The people there Without product Most of them have dark hair Dark features And so the idea here so He's saying Man you got great hair Dark, black, flowing over your shoulders. It's a sense of vitality. But of course, he doesn't stop there. Your teeth are like a flock of shorn sheep, which have come up from washing, every one of which bears twins, and none is barren among them. So what does this mean? It means, look, you got a full mouth of teeth. (laughs) And they're nice and white. That's what it means. Now listen, if you are a few teeth short of a full mouth, God still loves you and so do we. (laughs) Listen, it's not a problem. But he's admiring her beauty. He's like, man, you got great. Not only only are your eyes tender and your hair is beautiful, but you got a great mouth. It's like praise God for whitening strips. That's what he's saying. (laughs) Now, okay, I'm only part of the way through this section. And some of you are thinking, I can't believe this is in my Bible. And I'm here to say, you should believe that it's in your Bible. Because God created us to be attracted to people of the other sex. The key is, is can we appreciate beauty without making it self-centered, selfish, and sinful? Can we look at someone and say, well, that's a beautiful person and not take it to places it's not supposed to be? See, you read this, I can't, like, some of you like, this is so objectifying to women. No, it's not. He thinks she's beautiful. There ain't nothing wrong with that. See, but our culture wants to say, God forbid, you you know, like, you can't think someone is beautiful. But the problem in our culture is our culture in the name of freedom is actually in bondage. Because freedom says every urge you have, you have to live it out. But you and I know that that's not freedom, that's slavery true freedom is saying I have this urge and I know what the proper balance in which this is supposed to exist to honor God myself and that person and their family see this man is enjoying her beauty but he's not taking it over a line that is unacceptable see the church will tell you you can't ever admire someone's beauty that's sinful no it's not it's about what you do with it
1: Jesus is Today, Pastor Daniel dove into the lover's song in the Song of Solomon. In it, he found principles for love and sexuality that you won't find in the world. We were created in God's image, and as such, we are people of passion. God is a passionate yet perfect God. The world twists and distorts our sexuality, but the answer is not to suppress everything. It's to celebrate our sexuality within the proper bounds.
0: Hey everyone, there's a lot happening in the world and it can keep you pretty busy. But I want to encourage you to take some time and devote it to your spiritual growth. I know God wants to do something in your life and I'm excited for you to discover exactly what that is. Come join me for a worship service at Crossroads Community Church Online so I can share the Bible with you. Join me online at crossroadschurch.net or find me on Facebook Live.
1: The man says that the woman's eyes are like doves behind her veil. There's still a separation, and this line denotes modesty. The world will tell you you have to show it all to be valued. But God has a different plan and values so much more than your skin and bones. We fight against a culture that says your value is only in how you look. There's more to come from Pastor Daniel's series called Songs for Summer. Please glance at the clock right now. Make plans to join us again for another edition of Jesus is real radio.